This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham on a Monday morning after a an interesting day of football. Uh, not the best day of football, I'd say, on Sunday. It was it was fine. It was a you know, I, I think a perfectly average Sunday. Some interesting one o'clock games. Um some drama in the four o'clock games. Four o'clock window was actually uh better this week. Pittsburgh Steelers sweat sweat it out for a while in Dallas. Um but end up winning. I, I I was telling Mike Angelina, who's producing before the show. I had a I get told you about my money line parlay last night that I was going to play with the Steelers or the yeah the Steelers Texans and Titans. I chickened out a little bit. I, I cashed it out uh, when the Steelers were down. When Ben started grabbing his knee, I'm like, eh, you know what? This is it's a little dicey. That game had a feeling like the Cowboys were going to find a way to win it, uh, but the Steelers do end up. Winning in Dallas, all but ending the Cowboys season. We'll get to that in our recap later on. As I talked about a little bit with Ricky, um, the Chargers just, man, they just invent ways to lose. It is incredible. It's every week that, like, being a, I don't know if anybody really is a Chargers fan. I don't know how many loyal fans they really have. Certainly not in Los Angeles. I guess people who are fans of them are still in San Diego. Um, but, Man, they lose just in the most excruciating ways every week. Um, And they had another tough loss to the Las Vegas Raiders on Sunday afternoon. And then the Cardinals and Dolphins was the other 4 o'clock game. And it's time to start uh, giving the Miami Dolphins a little bit of respect here. Um, I think Brian Flores may finally break the trend of the Belichick disciples who go on to squander their opportunities as head coaches in the NFL. So uh, we'll, we'll get to all of it a little later on when we do our Week 9 recap. We'll do a college football recap later on, which, Mike, you're you're dreading the college football recap, aren't you? You gave out a couple juicy Big Ten plays last week. <laughs> uh, they didn't work in your favor. Uh, no, they did not. Actually, uh, it I really enjoyed uh, Saturday's uh, slate, I guess, because I avoided those two games in, in real life. But, yeah, uh, hilariously wrong on both of those. Clemson-Notre Dame was insane. That was a great game. Uh, yeah, I I was um, listening to it uh, on my way in on, um, well, Saturday night because I was driving in to do the show. Um, and just a fascinating end to that game. Uh, so, yeah, there's that one. There are a couple other good games on Saturday. Florida, Georgia. Yeah, which, Georgia made a, kind of a game of it at the end. The less, you know, it, most of the fourth quarter was watchable. Yeah, Georgia really doesn't have a quarterback, though. No, that guy's a walk-on, right? Yeah, they. I mean, they pulled the first guy. Yeah. And, uh, 
Yeah, so we'll get to that. We'll do a college football recap later on. Usually do it Saturday night, but uh, didn't get to it uh, last night because we had a a ton of other things uh, to discuss. Um, But a lot of stuff that we got to get into tonight outside of football as well. Uh, We'll get to the story with the Mets that just immediately makes uh, Middleton and McPhail look like clowns. I thought we were done with those guys, but apparently we're not. Not quite yet. Um, So we'll get to that uh, later on. Shams Charania was on CBS 3 talking about the Sixers um, and their plans for the offseason. So we'll get to that as well. But where we will start the show tonight is... With the Eagles, as the second half of the season officially gets ready to start next Sunday. But, you know, it really starts today. You know, this is the kickoff, the you know, the second half of the season. Eagles will be back at practice on Monday. Doug will speak at some point on Monday. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of storylines surrounding this team as we head into the second half of the season. And tonight we will look forward to the second half and we'll continue our post-mortem of the first half of the season, which we kind of started last night. We were giving some grades of uh, some members of the team. We did last night Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson. Um, And if you missed it, I gave Carson a D plus. Uh, I thought, or I think, that he has been below average so far this year. We talked about it a ton. We'll talk about it later tonight as well. Um, Former Eagles quarterback, the best Eagles quarterback of all time, made comments in regards to Carson Wentz. Uh, So we'll get to that uh, a little later on. Nobody better qualified to talk about Carson's play than um, my favorite quarterback, and I don't say that facetiously, number five, Donovan McNabb. Uh, So we'll get to what Donovan had to say later on uh, on Carson. But, you know, where Carson Wentz is at this point is he's been not nearly the player the Eagles need him to be. He's turned the ball over at a high rate. He has made poor decisions. He's held the football too long. Um, He has struggled with his accuracy. And for what we are expecting out of him in year five, he has not lived up to even the most basic of expectations. Therefore, you know, you give him a D plus. I give him a D plus uh, to start this season. Uh, We looked at Doug. I gave Doug a C plus. I think he's been slightly above average so far. Nothing special. Are there some other things Doug Peterson could do to jumpstart this offense to help Carson get on track? Sure. And that deserves to be weighed and deserves... um, to be applied when coming up with your grade for Doug Peterson. Um, But I would also say that you cannot hold the coach solely responsible for what goes on on the field. There have been several times where there have been plays to be made. There have been players open. There have been plays that look like, you know, they've been left out on the field. And Doug is not fully responsible for that so I think Doug's been a little better than average nothing special but Doug Peterson in my mind is not what is holding the Philadelphia Eagles back at this point so we will look at the rest of the roster and the staff 
throughout the next couple nights. We'll probably finish up the offense tonight, maybe start on the defense. Um, but tonight is, in a lot of ways, a breakdown of the first half of this NFL season, not just with the Eagles, um, but with some of the other divisions as well, and what we can look forward and expect in the second half. But when we look forward as specific to the Eagles, it does remain likely, and I'd say highly likely, that the Eagles will win the NFC East. You see what happens on Sunday. Dallas loses again. They fall to 2-7. and seven. Uh, The Giants win to improve to 2-7, and seven, um, which keeps them firmly entrenched in the NFC East. Washington falls to I guess three and six now, um, or three, uh, two or two and six. I think they're actually two and six, uh, which is nothing to write home about. And they lose the guy they have gone to as their starting quarterback, Kyle Allen. He's now um, probably out for the year, so it'll be either Alex Smith or Dwayne Haskins. I mean, I know that that current regime didn't draft Haskins. I don't think they like him very much, but. The idea of playing Alex Smith over Dwayne Haskins at this point is beyond idiotic to me. And I don't know why Washington wouldn't at least see if you have anything in a young quarterback rather than a quarterback in Alex Smith that is older and, um, you know, because of injuries, a shell of the athlete that he used to be. But it remains pretty likely the Eagles win the NFC East despite not being the team we hope they'd be this year. And, you know, that being said, it's not really a a significant accomplishment this year considering what we've seen in this division. It's, it's, It's the worst division I have ever seen, certainly in the NFL, and maybe in any sport in my lifetime of watching sports. It is that bad of a division where, you know, the Eagles have not been good in the first half, and they are clearly 100% far and away the best team and will be picked by pretty much everybody to win this division when it is all said and done. And, you know, I talked a little bit about it last night, but I have no delusions that this is in any way a Super Bowl caliber team. And and I don't think anybody does. Now, theoretically, could things change in the second half? I mean, I guess so. I don't think they'd change to that sort of degree. I don't think they'd change to that sort of um, thought process where we would expect the Eagles to have any kind of realistic probability or possibility to go to and contend to win a championship this year. And that being said, that's not something I expected before the year either. I viewed this as a team that was intentionally taking a step back in 2020 to take multiple steps forward in 2021 and beyond. And that was assuming Carson Wentz would play at the level we expected him to play at this year. I didn't think this was a good enough roster. Um, But I also didn't think that this would be a division that would be so imminently winnable. I didn't think the Eagles were going to make the playoffs this year. I thought the Dallas Cowboys were going to win the division, and I thought the Eagles were probably a borderline fringe wildcard team. Now, 
all that under consideration. As the Eagles get healthier, as they get more familiar with what they have, they have been afforded this second chance. And while I don't think at any point they'll be a Super Bowl championship caliber team, I don't think it's completely unrealistic to see this team play significantly better than they have so far and at least be in a conversation to make some sort of run in the second half here. And, uh, you know, they have been afforded this second chance. They have been afforded this opportunity because of the division in which they play in. And the question now becomes, can they take advantage of it? You know, when we look ahead, can the Eagles turn this thing that we've seen so far around? And what needs to happen for them to do so? You know, what do you look at and you see as this needs to happen, this needs to change from the first eight games to the final eight games for the Eagles to change what they are as a football team. Now, we can all obviously look at it and look at the quarterback position, and that is clearly where it's all going to start. Everybody knows that for this team to change their outlook at all, for this team to achieve any kind of a season that would be looked at as a success, and I don't just look at that as winning a bad NFC East, Carson Wentz needs to play significantly better. You know, if he doesn't play significantly better, if he doesn't turn around uh, the way he has performed this season and cut down on the turnovers and be smarter with the football, make quicker reads, this team isn't going anywhere. And I think we can all pretty much agree on that. And that even goes for the people who think Carson Wentz hasn't been as bad as I do. And the people that think Carson hasn't been the main problem on this team. He needs to play significantly better. That is where it all starts. That is where it all starts for the second half of the season. But what else do you want to see from this team in the second half? What else, aside from Carson Wentz's play, do we need to see for the Eagles to kind of change the way this season has been going and this season has been headed? Because you could, as I said, you can win NFC East, you go to the playoffs, but that is not really uh, pleasing anybody. We want to see quality football. We want to see a team that is playing at a high level consistently win or lose. A team that you feel going into games like they're going to have in the second half of the season. Like the Saints. Like the Packers. Like Seattle. Like Arizona. You want to feel that this team going into those games can legitimately compete and legitimately have an opportunity to win those games. What are the main things that we need to see change from the first half of the season to the second half for that to be the end result? What do we need uh, to, to see addressed 
within either that locker room or on that roster for this team to change their trajectory of this season. And again, it's about more than just wins and losses. It's about more than just making the playoffs. When we hold the Eagles to a standard, you know, we want to see a team that's able to compete with the best. What needs to change for that to happen in the second half? Obviously, it starts with Carson Wentz's play. That's where um, that that's where it starts for me. But what else do you want to see? And what level of confidence do you have in Carson Wentz? You know, we talked about him a lot this week, and it was probably bad timing for Carson, honestly, to have a game like he had last Sunday night which was, in my opinion, the worst game of his career, the single worst game he's ever played, for that to happen going into the bye week, not great timing for him because it's all we talked about this week. And it's all we should talk about this week for the most part because it's the most important thing. And I know the LTBB convention was held. Um, I don't know what the end results were there. I don't. Do we even know what was, what was trying to be achieved Mike, by the LTBB convention, you, I guess you talked to he house who shall not be named about about what the LTBB were they trying to get anything done there? Yeah, I mean it was a, it was a chance for the it was uh, just a rally. It was kind of like a pep rally, I guess you can think of it like that. It was, it was a chance for the people that are still you know all in on Carson Wentz to kind of convene oh. and, and and just kind of. Show that they're out there. Oh. I mean, it's kind of it's it's kind of kind of disgusting. But, uh, well, disgusting might be a little harsh, but it, um, it was curious. We, we, like, we need to hold a rally for the starting quarter. What the hell is going on here? Uh, when when did I get this soft? That's my question. This is a former NFL linebacker, and now he's coddling the franchise quarterback. <laughs> Come on, Ike. Um, they should have done it coming out of the bye week, not going into the bye. Well, I think I think it was going into the bye because of how. Well, yeah. Well, I guess you're right because it still would have been after the Cowboys game. But um, yeah, the LTBB convention. I have a problem with this LTBB crew. I, I'm gonna, you know, if I ever see like again, I'll have to have a word with them. We don't really see each other around here anymore. Um, but stop they, the coddling. But yeah, I, I agree. We can't coddle this kid. I mean, he's got to play better. Um, and, Let the Bronco bust. <laughs> okay, Jody. Uh, but what do you need to see in the second half? Um, and we'll also continue grading uh, some people on this team tonight. Uh, we'll, we'll look at the rest of the offensive coaching staff aside of Doug uh, coming up here next. Um, and if you want to, you know, give your kind of assessment of any positions on the team, what are you looking for in the second half? What needs to be improved? Uh, aside from Carson Wentz, and what is your level of confidence that Carson Wentz can get it turned around in the second half? That's kind of where we'll start the show tonight. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494. If you want to get in, um, also got a side topic to get to. Uh, a ton of things uh, that I want to touch on throughout the course of the show. We'll have a Week 9 recap coming up later on. We'll have college football recap at some point and a Week 9 recap with Mike taking part tonight um, instead of Kyle. Uh, Kyle usually on Sunday nights uh, producing, but unfortunately has to work the morning show, so I'm stuck with Mike Angelina. So, well, 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 if Kyle had off, would I? <laughs> no, if you like well, would... well, well, no, Kyle, Kyle would be in if he wasn't working the morning show tomorrow. Dan Donnelly still got two more days of a uh, of isolation. No, he's 
It's because the Eagles don't have a game is the reason I'm in. Oh, yeah. Well, well, I thought you did. Yeah, I guess. I, if I were you, I'd just take a day off, honestly. Okay. But why not? I'm glad you're in, Mike. I'm not. <laughs> okay. 215-592-9494. If you want to join the show, uh, Steve is there. He'll be first right after the break. I'm Tom Kelly. In for Big Daddy Graham. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly. In for Big Daddy Graham on a Monday morning um, as we head toward the second half of the season. Finally, an Eagles game week. The... The bye week felt especially long this year. I don't know. Uh, did did it feel especially long to you, Mike? I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Well, I, mean, I guess it, it was a long, long week in general uh, with a lot of other stuff going on. The election. Yeah, but, well, that would make the, the week go by uh, sooner. Well, I mean, it just felt like the election drug on for a yeah, while. Took down a lot of hours. Yeah. Um, so it, it's nice to have a game to prepare for again, though. Uh, and it feels like the Eagles just played the Giants, though. It's odd that... that Eagles are already playing them again. Well, I mean, the the Giants just played the Washington football team week six. True. They played today. The Giants Yesterday. the Giants wrap up divisional play until the final week of the season this week. After this game against the Eagles, they'll have already played Cowboys, Washington so. and the Eagles twice. And they played Dallas once already. So That's right. there's an interesting schedule tidbit for you. Uh, and Giants right in the thick of things here. Um, they get a big win. Joe Judge, who... Uh, laid down the law as Joe Judge is apt to do and um, suspended Golden Tate for the game for asking for the ball more, demanding the ball more. Um, And uh, the Giants go on the road and get the win nonetheless. And uh, I know Al's going to be excited. Al's all fired up because he put two bets down. He put a bet down on the Eagles, bet down on the Giants to win the division. So he'll be happy either way um, with the result. And I don't know, the Giants... The Giants, all of a sudden, to me, I, I actually think are the Eagles' biggest threat. Um, so if the Eagles win the game this week, they will be in good position. And honestly, coming off a of bye week, going against the Giants, there's no excuse. No excuse for the Eagles to lose this game. 215 In a minute, I want to look at the rest of the Eagles' offensive coaching staff here. And uh, one person who... I don't hear his name mentioned a ton, but he deserves a lot more criticism than he has gotten uh, so far this season and really over the last couple of years for uh, the performance um, of Carson Wentz. First, let's go to Stephen Egg Harbor. What's up, Steve? Yeah, what's going on? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things that have to happen for us to even look like a legitimate football team. And number one is we have to get off to better starts. We got Rieger back. We got Goddard back. Yeah, hopefully we're getting our running back back, and then we and we have our other starter in the slot and Ward. So we got our our main guys who because like, we can't count on Alshon Jeffries or or Deshaun Jackson. So we got our main guys back. Well, they're, and, yeah, they're uh, saying Steve's they're they're saying uh, Alshon expected back this week. We'll see if it happens. Uh, who cares, really? I mean, I don't even want to see him on the football field because if it if it comes with taking uh, Falk Falk off the field, no, no, I'm they're sorry. not. They're you not can't taking take that kid off the field. He deserves to be there. No, they're not taking him off the field. I think if if Alshon played, it would probably be Hightower snaps. Now, I'd probably rather have a guy like Hightower on the field because of the speed that he has. But 
Yeah, they, they're not taking Fulgham off the field. No doubt. I mean, we got double double deep threats with Hightower and Rieger out there. I mean, you run them both long, you really open up the middle of the field a lot. I mean, for the other three guys, particularly, you know, Ward and uh, our tight end, who's a beast, and he can block too if, if we need him to block. And But also, to me, the most important thing is, our defense, our, our defense really hasn't shown me anything this year. We played three good offenses in the Rams. We played Baltimore and we played Pittsburgh. And each one of those teams piled up 30 or more points in a ton of yards against us. And, you know, unless we can stop somebody, it doesn't really matter winning this div- crappy division that we're in because we're obviously going to be going nowhere in the playoffs. And we're going to need a good defense to stop good offenses in the playoffs. And if we don't have that, then we don't have a prayer anyway. Yeah, uh, agreed, Steve. Um, appreciate it. And uh, thanks for the call. I, the defense needs to play better, and the defensive line especially needs to play better. Like, Brandon Graham has obviously been tremendous. Um, Fletcher Cox has been pretty good. You know, he's had uh, his moments. And, and, you know, a lot of what Fletcher Cox does isn't always going to be noticeable on the score sheet, as they say, um, or you know, in terms of him making tackles, but he does attract a lot of attention. But the, Steve's totally right. Those other guys on the defensive line have not been good enough, whether it's Javon Hargrave, who, I mean, I'm a Howie guy. We always talk about we're, this is a, a, a probably the most ha- Howie-positive show on the station, but Javon Hargrave move does not look like money well spent right now. It doesn't. Um, he's got to be a lot better. And uh, if this team's going to, you know, realize what they what they need to realize, um, he is going to need to be significantly better. I'm sorry I'm distracted. And there's a, some kind of dog show on the TV here that I'm watching um, that had, had distracted me for a second. But Hargrave's got to be a lot better. Um, Derek Barnett, who, let's face it, Derek Barnett's just not that good. He's really not. First-round pick four years ago. Um has not lived up to his potential, has not been an impactful player. I can't really remember him making any significant play this season. Um, And you haven't got enough from that spot. And really, other than Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, you're not getting enough on that defensive line. So they need to be better because, let's face it, aside from Darius Slay, uh, that secondary leaves a lot to be desired right now. Uh, 215-592-592. 9494 if you want to get in discussing the Eagles and what we need to see out of them in the second half to you know turn things around because they might be in first place in the division but we all know this season is not going the way we want it to go and I didn't expect this to be a great team I expected them to be better at 3-4-1 I expected them to be you know especially with the division being this bad I expected them to you know, if you told me the division was going to be in this position, I would have told you the Eagles are are going to easily make the playoffs. I'm not sure that's the case. And they need to be better in a lot of areas. So where do you think is most important, um, aside from the quarterback? Because we talk a lot about Carson. We know Carson Wentz needs to be better. Um, but where, aside from Carson Wentz, and I, I really want to dive into this throughout the course of the week, is how confident are you that Carson can get back to that level. Um, I'm not all that confident. I'm really not. I I wish I was. I wish I could say 
that yeah, LTBB let the Bronco buck, let the Bronco bust, whatever you want to say. Um, and he would let be, the Bronco bust, and he'll turn it around in the second half. But I, I don't have that level of confidence. Turning the ball over at, at Jameis levels, I don't have that level of of you know confidence that he's going to rebound. So, what's your level of confidence that Carson Wentz will be able to bounce back in a significant way in the second half of the season? So, couple th- that that's just a couple things of what we're discussing. But last night we started grading the performance of some people on this team. We talked about Carson, talked about Doug Peterson. Um, but you look at the rest of this offensive coaching staff here, and this was uh, an area where there was a lot of discussion in the offseason. Obviously, you had all the controversy immediately following the season surrounding Mike Groh. And Doug saying at first he will be back, and then a couple days later he's not back, and why did that end up happening? And that's still something we never really gotten in the bottom of. Um, I think it's pretty clear it wasn't Doug's decision. It either came from up top or it came from the quarterback. Now, my theory is it probably came from Carson Wentz. That Carson Wentz and Mike Groh didn't see things the same way. And we know from the Philly Voice article that, you know, um, people have different takes on, but... Uh, according to the information in there, the Carson can at times be a little difficult to deal with and doesn't get along necessarily great with everybody. Um, so that's my theory on is Carson didn't really want Mike grow back, uh, maybe went above Doug's head and, um, you know, that that's what ended up happening. But you look at the rest of the staff and the guys they brought in, the guys they have in place, whether it's Scangarello or Marty Mornemweg, uh, I think the rest of that staff has been underwhelming. I'd probably give them about a C- minus at this point. You know, below average, certainly, for what you've expected. And one guy on that staff who we don't mention nearly enough, but deserves to be called out, and it's, a, it's an area where the Eagles really, I think, need to address if things don't turn around the second half this offseason, is Press Taylor where we don't talk about him a lot. His name doesn't get mentioned a lot. We talk about Doug. You know, we talk about the guys that used to be here, whether it's John Filippo, whether it's Frank Reich, and Doug missing those kind of voices. But honestly, I find it kind of futile to continue to go around in circles talking about Frank Reich and, and, um, and John Filippo because they're not here anymore. Just like I find it very... I... I Heard somebody mention it during Ricky's show. Where, oh, bring up Nick Foles. I'm so tired of hearing about Nick Foles. Like, I, it just makes no sense anymore. It doesn't have any bearing on anything. Nick Foles is gone. He's not coming back. Shut up about Nick Foles. And it's the same thing with Reich and Filippo. They're not coming back here. You know, I know Filippo was available at a point. The Eagles didn't, didn't decide, decided not to bring him back into the fold. I'm guessing there was a reason for that. He's not coming back. Frank Reich is the head coach of the Colts. He's not going anywhere anytime soon. He's not coming back. So we got to shift our focus from lamenting those guys being gone and finding new coaches that can actually do the job 
And, you know, Press Taylor has had his influence increase, what, each of the last three years? Where he's getting more responsibility? He's getting more input? And, like, what are these promotions based on? He's been the quarterback's coach since 2018. In that time period, Carson Wentz, your franchise quarterback, the guy you're building your entire plan around, essentially, has gotten worse. He's regressed in pretty much every area. More pronounced this year than ever before, and this year, Press Taylor has even more responsibility as the passing game coordinator, essentially the de facto offensive coordinator. Uh, Press Taylor probably has more input into the Eagles' game plan than anybody on that staff outside Doug Peterson. And, you know, at what point do we start looking at that in particular person? That in particular guy, because and Doug deserves some, you know, criticism too, but it's not all on Doug. Doug has a lot of things that he has on his plate. He's got a whole team to worry about. Press Taylor's sole focus is Carson Wentz and making Carson Wentz better. And we talk about Reich's influence on Wentz. We talk about Filippo's influence on Wentz and the positive effect they had on him. When do we start talking about the fact that that Press Taylor is clearly having a negative effect on this quarterback. And that maybe he is a bigger problem on this coaching staff than we want to admit. Because we talked about it in the past with the receivers coaches. It's clear at this point. The receivers coaches um, were a problem over the last couple of years. When you see Nelson Aguilar making plays and he made another play on Sunday. I know everybody got all worked up about Mac Hollins making a catch on Sunday. It's like, calm down. That, that I don't necessarily think uh, Mac. I don't lament the Eagles moving on from Mac Hollins, but uh, you know, position coaches are important. We talked about it last week, uh, and I think it's time we start looking at Press Taylor and uh, being concerned about the job he's doing because he's not making the quarterback better. And as the quarterback's coach, it's kind of his job. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Uh, let's check in with Phil in Virginia. What's up, Phil? Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? How's it going, man? Good, good, good. Good show. Thanks. Hey, um, I wanted to talk about how I think the the best way you can describe the coaching and the Eagles play is consistently inconsistent. And what I mean by that is you, you see moments in a game, like a drive, to, a drive here or there, where they go – down the field flawlessly, Carson's hitting every, everything in a row, you know, guys are getting open. And then we get these lulls and drives right after that, like three or four drives later, and we don't do anything. We can't move the ball three and out. We turn the ball over. And I think I reset it like a few days ago, last sometime last week, about how Carson is an extension of Doug. And what he meant by that is his level of aggressiveness and not giving up on a play is just like how Doug, at times, we don't want him to necessarily always go for it and dial down some of his aggressiveness. And it's kind of hard for a guy to get away from how he is if you're not doing the same thing. Because it's sending a mixed signal. That's and it. And I think... No, go yeah, ahead, I'm Phil. Sorry. No, you can go ahead. No, no, I, 
No, right, I'm okay, just saying, okay. I think that's a clear explanation as to why Carson doesn't give up on these plays. And I know you, I know you just talked about Press Taylor, but seeing guys coming straight at you is not the coach. Right. Seeing blitzes come straight at you is not the coach. you got to be able to be smart enough to throw that ball away. You have plenty of time to do that. And it troubles me because we saw things years before, ever since the injury, how he's going downhill and not gotten better, but he's not being held accountable for it. And it's kind of hard to when your dad, when your coach, not your dad, but your coach, right. isn't doing the same thing. That's an interesting theory, Phil. I, I never thought of it that way. Um, but I, I do think that's interesting because Doug does talk a lot about the aggressiveness whenever he's questioned right. on those decisions of going for fourth fourth downs or, or going for two-point conversions, and he says they want to maintain that aggressiveness. And, you know, Carson's playing that same way. And, and I've kind of thought that maybe they'd hammer down on those aspects of him trying to do too much. Uh, but, yeah. hey, I, I don't know. Maybe Maybe you're right. Maybe they are – preaching, continuing to be aggressive, but Carson's got to know, and Doug and the staff need to do a better job of explaining to him, I guess, more that you can be aggressive without being stupid and reckless. You know what I mean? Correct. And, and it's just one more thing. I'm confused as to how they come out with these, these plays sometimes, and it's like they didn't practice all week long. That's the thing that cracks me up about it, is I, I know you guys are practicing, what do you practice? Because it doesn't show on the field. It doesn't translate into game day. Yeah. No, no, Phil, I, I hear you, and I appreciate it, man. Thanks for the call. Good call. Um, Yeah, there, 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 there is – it is frustrating when we see the same kind of mistakes every week, which we have seen. Um, From Carson and other players on the team, too, where the turn – and I'll, I keep coming back to the turnovers. Like, the turnovers are the one thing that – whether it's fumbles, whether it's Carson, whether it's other people, the turnovers just need to stop. Like, you can't turn the ball over at this rate and continue to win. You just can't. Uh, what what were what was Tampa Bay's final record? They weren't bad last year. They finished what seven and nine, something like that. But it, you know, if they didn't turn the ball over, they probably would have been double digit win team. It's the difference of games. If the Eagles. If the Eagles protected the ball better this year, I've said it before, man, they would be 5-3 and three easily. 5-3 and three at a minimum. And it's why I kind of do cling to some hope that they can rebound in the second half. That maybe they're not quite as bad as the record indicates because of the turnovers. And the turnovers cost you so much. Um, but yeah, there are a lot of things that need to get corrected. And they need to start it needs to start today, honestly. It needs to start at practice today. When all those guys go back in there and they start working on the second half here, um, Doug needs to get it across to Carson Wentz and everybody on the offense that ball security is paramount. And everything else we'll worry about later. But secure the ball. Don't turn it over. If the Eagles do that, uh, they're going to be all right. And they're going to have a chance to win a decent amount of these games in the second half of the season, even against high-level competition. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Um, when we get back, I will give you a social media gripe, which I'm not sure if this one, 
I'm not sure if you'll really know this one, Mike. This is, I feel like, a more recent thing. And with your so your Twitter uh, break or, or retirement, um, I'm not sure if you'll you'll know this one as much. Um, but I'll give you a social media gripe. I'll also open a side topic up uh, for the rest of the show. But we'll do all that when we get back. Uh, open lines if you want to get in, 215-592-9494. What do we need to see different from the Eagles in the second half to turn things around? Uh, aside from Carson Wentz, and what's your level of confidence that Carson can turn it around? All starts with the turnovers there. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly, in for Big Daddy Graham, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly. And for Big Daddy Graham, you can find me at TommyKelly44 on Twitter. And later in the show, very exci- I'm always very excited to do this segment. And I'm really excited to do it today. WIP Fantasy Update. I think, I think, uh, I think things the, could be turning around. Uh, the winds could be blowing in the uh, proper direction for, for Team TK. We'll see. I'm very glad you're excited for it, but you have the wrong day. We do that on Tuesdays. Right, but we might do it today. We'll see if Andrew tweets you. Yeah, I mean, we're. I mean, I'm not going to lie to people out there. I mean, it's bye week. We're a little low on content this week. You know, it's not. We we don't have all the normal stuff we normally would. Like Sunday nights are normally break down the game, all this stuff. So I shift the stuff I'm doing on Tuesdays to Mondays. Now I think I'm doing Thursdays. So you know. We got a lot of stuff we got to get in. All right, we'll, we'll, I guess we'll see where the show takes us. But you see, you see how my performance d- decides whether we're going to do the, yeah, the update do, or yeah, not. Yeah. Well, how about this? If Andrew tweets us by the end of the show, we'll do it today. If he doesn't, we'll do it tomorrow. That's fair. That's yeah. That's good. Uh, that's how producer should work. Just let the Twitter <laughs> exactly. Hey, but you know. There, there are a couple listeners, loyal listeners of the show that help program the show. Fishpot Ryan, uh, Andrew, uh, and I always love when Ryan sends us the uh, Seinfeld clips of the winners of each week. Which it's amazing that he can do that. Uh, it's pretty, pretty good produ- high production value. Uh, I get more, more out of him than I do out of you. Better than this producer, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll get to get to that. Um, Later on, potentially tonight, but it is time for our social media gripe. Social media always plays a vital part on this show. This um, is a talk show. This is in the Twitter show. Uh, maybe your show, Paul. But this show is kind of a Twitter show. We we do some Twitter uh, related stuff. And um, my social media gripe of the day today. I'm not sure if this is one you're familiar with, Mike. But when people like want to lecture to other people on Twitter that have like a conflicting opinion um, on a player or something like that. And they'll start uh, their, their statement out with, here's what we're not going to do. You know, we're not going to like bash Carson Wentz or we're not going to, you know, say the Cowboys are good or something like that. People do that. They'll, they'll say, here's what we're not going to do. It's like, you're not going to tell me what I'm going to do. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And you don't have any impact on what I'm going to say and what I'm going to do. You you do what you want to do. You say what you want to say. And I'll say whatever the hell I want to say. You know why? Because this is a free country. And Twitter is a, a place where I can freely ex- express my my sports opinions or whatever opinions I, I, I want to share with my audience. 
uh, the last time I remember somebody starting a sentence with, here's what I'm not going to do, was I think Middleton said that when he said, here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to go all out to be the second wild card. Right. He did do that. You're yeah. right. So in my head, that's what I hear when yeah, I this hear his is, voice. It's kind of a common thing on Twitter, though, where when people don't want, then they don't want the narrative to be shifted a certain way. Here's what we're not going to do. And it's like, who are you lecturing to? Like, like I, I, I love people who think like they have the right to tell people what they can and cannot talk about on right. social media. I got a good one. Here's what we're not going to do. We're <laughs> not going to pay attention to how bad Nick Pavetta has been the last four years. Y- yeah, like that, that like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's good. Um. Yeah. That's that's pretty good. But it's like people trying to spin something a certain way like you for you to do that properly i feel like you can't even admit that nick pavette is bad like you got to be like here's what we're not gonna do we're not good we're 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 not gonna just blame nick pavetta for everything we're gonna look at the phillies pitching staff or something like that or their coaches or something like that i didn't do that properly either because i've never done this because i would never do it so it's kind of hard for me to put myself in, in the those people's shoes. One day I should cross-check all your social media gripes to see if you've ever done them. Uh, you could do that. Um, I may have slipped every... Like, I'll, 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 I... But I'm usually forthright when I... When I, uh, you know, fall victim to a challenge or something like that. I feel like I don't fall victim to a challenge often, but every once in a while, um, I'll do a challenge. Uh, I... Tory Smith actually threw out an interesting, not not necessarily a challenge, more like a just just a question. Um, he he, I, I don't know what necessitated this. Uh, I, I were there fights in any of the games on on Sunday? I, I didn't see any, but were there? Uh, Leighton Vandrush threw a punch, but didn't lead to anything. Oh yeah, what was that about? He like he should have gotten kicked out of the game for that, did he? He did not. No, that's BS. He, yeah. he punched the guy in the helmet on the ground. Yeah. Um. But Tory Smith asked, who are five players in the NFL that you would want in a fight? Like, if you were in a fight that you had to win, who were the five guys that you would want? I, you'll like one of his choices, Mike. All right. one, of, one of his choices was uh, your boy, the bodyguard. Oh, you know what's funny? I wouldn't have even thought of him. I guess out of sight, out of mind. Although he's back, so that's a bad excuse. Yeah. I don't know who who would you uh, come up with. I don't know. I'll have to think about it a little bit. Nadam can sue. Yeah, sue. Like, e- even though he's a receiver, DK Metcalf. <laughs> yeah. Like, I feel like DK Metcalf could just crush some people. He's like, you know, uh, just a specimen. Um, I'd have to think about it, but maybe we'll do. We'll we'll get to that before the end of the show. Who are who are NFL players that you would want on your side in a fight? Uh, a fight to the, I guess to the death is a little extreme. Maybe we're not supposed to go that extreme with it. But it was regular boxing match. Yeah, just a regular, you know, a back alley brawl. Who would you want on your side uh, in a back alley brawl? Give me some uh, NFL players. Should we include the past in this or just just present guys? Nah, that's you know. Then you're like putting like Ray Lewis and like people like that in. Yeah, that's true. Well, like, yeah, that and. Ray Lewis and Brawl or Back Alley. Let's yeah, let's stay away from that. And oh, we need to and we need to get more contemporary after the, the end of Ricky show, which it sounded like we were doing in the nineteen fifties. 
Uh, one guy was at it like a Stan Musial pitching duel where he pitched like 20 innings or something like that. That was uh, wild. Stan Musial was a first baseman. Oh, well, I forget. Maybe I, I had the name wrong, but he, there's some pitcher he talked about who threw 20 innings one time, threw like 200 pitches or something like that. Uh, no, he's talking about like it was Satchel Page and uh, Warren Spahn, I think, was the, the okay. matchup. When were they? When was their heyday? The 40s? Their heyday. Yeah. Uh, they did play then, yeah. Okay. So, uh, it must have been an older gentleman. But who who are some players in the NFL that you'd want on your side in a fight? We'll, we'll open that up to the callers as well. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Uh, I'm Tom Kelly. When we get back, um, I do want to grade the skill positions this year. And talk about why, you know, I've seen people lamenting the Eagles – letting go of Nelson Aguilar. And I'll tell you why that's stupid. We'll do that when we return as well. But uh, your thoughts on the second half, what other than Carson Wentz's play the Eagles need uh, to change, turn things around, and what is your level of confidence that Carson can turn things around in the second half? That's what we're doing to start the show. I'm Tom Kelly, in for Big Daddy Graham, Sports Radio 94 WIP. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 